Welcome, I am Aaron Giesbrecht, head QB trainer and owner of Big Air Academy located in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. And you are tuned in to my podcast called Talking QBs with Coach Gies, a podcast dedicated to the Canadian quarterback and offensive football. And after a two-week hiatus coaching some Oak Park Spring Ball, I am back for my 21st episode with manager of Focus Fitness, Mr. A.J. Zeglin, and special teams coordinator for the Winnipeg Rifles, Mr. Graham Jones. How are you guys doing tonight? Good. Doing very well, thanks. Thank you guys for being on. I'm excited to talk ball with you. So, guys, the uh, the NFL draft, I guess two weeks ago today, it went down. My Steelers, they, uh, they picked up Najee Harris in the first round. It was definitely a need for my Steelers. We struggled in the run game a lot last year. I know we struggled in a lot of areas late in the year, but... Uh, Run game was definitely a point of emphasis we needed to address. So I'm happy with the pick overall. Uh, Jonesy, I know you're a huge Kansas City Chiefs fan, right? You guys uh, won the Super Bowl. Now you've lost the Super Bowl. What's the state of the franchise? How do you feel about the draft? Yeah, well, the draft, you know, the draft was actually a pretty good draft. Um, they traded away their first pick, getting Orlando Brown. picked up. I'm a little wary because it's a one-year guy because – He's on his last year on his contract now. They got they signed the guard from New England, who's a stud. But are they going to be able to afford those two year, the next year? Because that's going against the cap. Right. Second round, Bolton was great. Uh, third round, getting Creed uh, Humphreys, the center from Oklahoma, fantastic. So um, overall, they did a good draft. Uh, they didn't really go after the secondary, which I thought they needed to do that. Uh, Defensive end is kind of questionable. Their offensive line is going to be intact. I mean, they've got like ten guys. Yeah. So that that was their their problem last year, and uh, the receiver out of Clemson is a great pickup in the seventh round. So you know, it, 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 the AFC is tough. I mean, the, the NFL is tough, but the AFC is tough. You got Buffalo. You know, you've got New England who could rebound. They got a great signing in Mac Jones. Um, Cleveland is there. Uh, you know, Baltimore. Yeah, a lot of people talk about Baltimore. I'm not sold on Baltimore. Their quarterback is a run guy, and if you can contain him, I'm not worried about him. But Cleveland looks good. A couple of teams look good. So it'll be interesting. I uh, I like the comments about, you know, the the other strong teams in the AFC because that's that's a strong conference right now. AJ, you're, uh, you're a Boston guy. You're a Boston fan of all Boston sports. Uh, Pat's fan, obviously. What were your thoughts about the Mac Jones? Pick up. Oh, yeah, I was actually a huge fan of it. So, <clears throat> uh, leading up to the draft, there when there was all the speculation on what the Patriots were going to do, and there was a strong chance that they were going to take a quarterback. Um, I was actually hoping that it was going to be Mac Jones that fell down in that spot and gave them the opportunity to uh, to go to New England. So, I know uh, it's pretty uh, QB heavy draft. Like mm -hmm. at the top there, you got about five guys there that all seem like they could be. Uh, legitimate, you know, starting QBs in the NFL. But I, I was a big Mac Jones fan. I, I just, I like the way he manages the game. I think he's a good leader. I, I think one of the, you know, underrated things when they were ranking him, obviously they're looking at all the, uh, you know, regular statistics of the quarterback, sure. his height, his weight, his speed, and, you know, arm strength and how he reads and stuff. And I think he did really well in some of those, categories in some categories people knocked him a bit on athleticism and stuff like that but i think a intangible that they didn't talk about much was uh he's playing at alabama so huge program and that team was absolutely stacked with talent and how he manages uh how he managed and led that team um you know that there's like 
ton of NFL guys coming out of that uh, program all the time. And specifically that national championship championship team, I think is going to have a lot of NFL guys. And, um, you know, just because he wasn't maybe the most athletic guy on that team, it doesn't mean he's not, you know, the leader of that team. The QB is still expected to lead. Um, that's one of your roles in that position on a football team. Right. So, uh, you know, I think he's got great leadership qualities. I just think that's something that's maybe not talked about much when they're breaking down the QBs. And so I, I was really happy we got him. Um, second round, I was picked up uh, Christian Barmore mm-hmm. uh, from Alabama as well. So uh, big D tackle, who I think is going to help them out a lot uh, on their defense. And uh, obviously, they're going to get some guys back this year that didn't play last year due to uh, COVID, um, like Dante Hightower. And right. so I... I you know, I think their defense is going to improve uh, quite a bit. They'll, uh, it won't, it's kind of weird. Like, it's kind of like they're rebuilding, but I think they're going to be able to do it fairly quickly with the guys they picked up in free agency and then the draft picks that they made and knowing that some guys just chose to sit out last year. Right. I think it, you know, it's not going to be this process that takes them five, six, seven years to rebuild. I actually think they're going to be able to reload quite quickly and, and be competitive. But on a note, too, on your team on the Steelers, mm-hmm. uh, I think Najee Harris was a, I'm a huge fan. So I think that was an awesome pickup. Of course, he wears the best number. And uh, <laughs> and he's just, just, yeah, amazing running back. I was kind of pumped to see him. I'm not that I'm a Steelers fan per se, but I was pumped to see him go there. Yeah. Because I just feel like, you know, they, they love to run the ball. And they're a tough team and a tough organization. And I can't wait to see him run the ball there next year. I feel the same way. And, you know, going back to your Mac Jones pick, obviously he, uh, there's a lot of similarities, people comparing him to Brady. Um, but speaking on the leadership thing, I think that was really important, you know, kind of the insight you you led to there is that playing on a team that's full of studs everywhere is much harder to manage as a quarterback than it is to play on a team of average players everywhere, right? Like, right. so there's a lot of attitudes, there's a lot of egos there, and he's got to keep everybody in check. And, you know, that that's you're right. So I think that's huge moving forward. And obviously he has all the talent that's uh to play in the NFL. And I think out out of all the guys, maybe even, you know, I don't know, maybe maybe Trevor Lawrence first and then him second. But like those guys have what it takes to play the NFL game, right? They're pocket guys right. first. So I think I think yeah. big success for him. So yeah, I'm interested. What do you think about Cam? How do you think that this season's gonna work out with him being on the roster? Do you think he's gonna be the starter to start with? You know what? That's a, a good question. I'm I'm not really sure. I do think he's going to be come opening day. I do think he's going to be the starter. Um, I, I obviously think that he impressed them a lot last year. Again, record wasn't the great greatest last year. Statistically, maybe it wasn't uh, like anything um, noticeable uh, from a QB standpoint. But you know, they're they got uh, much better help around them this year for Cam Newton, uh, yes. you know, in the tight end position specifically, which will help them out a lot. Uh, even they've even upgraded in the receiver position. So I think, uh, you know, their, their offense as a whole last year wasn't great. And I think they've up improved in a lot of positions already. So um, I, I think he is going to start the year and then I don't really know. We'll see what happens. Like I, it's been so long since the Patriots were in any sort of situation like this. Right. I guess it's kind of uh, tough to kind of guess how they're going to manage it. But, you know, my guess is Cam Newton, it will be 
uh, his his spot to start with, and then and then they'll see what happens. I don't I don't feel like uh, Bill Belichick or the Patriots organization um, in general will have any sort of like knee jerk reaction, you know, to it, right. where they'll just like if Cam has one bad game, he's out, and and they'll they would put in Mac Jones if they thought he wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. When he does play, I think that they will fully feel confident, one hundred percent, that he is ready. You know, and the foundation is laid there for him to be successful. I don't. I don't think they'll they'll rush that process, but I'm I'm not really sure how long it's going to take. He he seems like a really really intelligent guy. Like when I've seen game film on him, it was uh, quite impressive to see how many times he's hitting his third or fourth or even sometimes fifth yeah. read. So it just shows you kind of how intelligent he is to be able to work through all those reads um, while you know staying calm in the pocket and really understanding like everything that's going on in, in the field and where he, where he might find that receiver. You see a lot of guys just one, two reads. And if they don't find it, maybe they tuck the ball and Take run off, or do yeah. whatever. He's seemed very patient and just made his way through like uh, a, a lot of reads, you know? So I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm really excited though to see how, however yeah. it plays out. I'm excited to watch as a fan. No, I think that bodes well. Actually. Um, I heard that Steve Sarkeesian, the OC at Alabama said that, uh, with Mac Jones, this was the like he was able to open up the offense more with him than any other quarterback he's ever had, right? And I mean the year right. be, the year before he had Tua, so I mean he's uh, you know he's talking about some some real good quality there with Mac Jones. Um, you know something that's that's causing a lot of you know people to get up in arms a little bit about this week. Uh, Tim Tebow has been I don't know if he's actually officially been signed by the Jags, but I think it's just a matter of time. Uh, apparently, as a tight end. Uh, Jonesy, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think he did actually sign a one-year deal. Okay. Um, but, re- but remember, Tim Tebow goes back to Urban Meyer. They, they, you know, he was the coach, right? Absolutely. And you know, Tebow has proven people wrong. Athletically, he's a beast. I mean, you look at the guy; he's a specimen, mm-hmm. right? Like, I mean, the guy can do a lot of different things. You know, he was a running-style quarterback. You know, kind of. He look what he did with the Broncos. Yeah. Um, he's an athlete. Can you find a spot in the field? Yeah, they might. Um, who do they have a tight end, right? I mean, uh, you know, so that's the other thing. I mean, could he be a blocking tight end? Could he be the the option kind of tight end coming in motion, you know, getting the ball and throwing? Like, so many different things are possible. Right. But Urban Meyer's a smart coach, and, uh, you know, Tim Tebow, actually, I think it's actually a good signing. I, I really do. I mean, okay, I, he's not getting a lot of money, so right. what do you, what's the risk? Yeah, I'm I'm excited for it. I'm a I'm a big Tebow supporter. Me too, me too. <laughs> I just I just think he's a good human being, you yeah. know, like above everything else. I just think he's a genuine uh quality, you know, uh human. And uh when you look at all the stuff that he's done away from football and stuff, he's just an amazing person. So um I'm actually kind of happy that he has decided uh to maybe um pursue you know another position i think if he maybe would have done that a little sooner mm-hmm. but he seemed to be at least from what we're able to see in the media and stuff you know he seemed to be so uh dead set on playing qb in the nfl that you know i i think he maybe could have been playing for some more years here uh had he been willing to switch positions or make some sort of move like this he's incredible athlete Really, really smart player. He's he's maybe the greatest college football player of all time. Arguably, like, for sure. You could you could make that case. Yeah. And um and 
you know, obviously he has a great relationship with uh, Urban Meyer. And at the same time, I don't think Urban Meyer is the type of coach that would, you know, kind of hand out a free ride to someone just because like he, he's that guy, that guy wins Mm -hmm. and he knows how to win and you don't build programs like the programs that he's built and had the success. Um, If you're just playing favorites because you like someone or something like that. Right. Like I, I truly believe that if Tebow went and worked out with him, he would have had to show something very significant for urban Meyer to, to want him to be there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I, you know, I think he probably did like, like, uh, Jones said, he's like, physically he's, uh, he's a specimen, you know? So, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm really excited to, to see what he can do, you know? Uh, yeah. I'm really excited about it. Absolutely. I'm, I'm as well, like I'm a Florida Gator fan. Uh, you know, I love Tim Tebow, you know, and being a quarterback guy, you think maybe I wouldn't like him because he's not right. Your typical quarterback, but, uh, Jonesy knows I'm definitely an out of the box kind of thinker. And, and I, I loved him, man. Like, I mean, like you said, he's a winner, he's a leader, just the person he is, all those things. Now the tight end thing kind of baffles me because really, I feel like this is just like a setup for him to be the, the, the wildcat red zone quarterback really is what I really think right. is going to happen. And if they do that, you know what? I think that that he'll be probably pretty successful doing that. Like that's what he was made to do. And I guess maybe back when he was kind of fighting to stay in the NFL. And apparently I heard today that the saints apparently offered him some sort of similar deal before Taysom Hill was ever in the picture. And that was at the time where he was like, no, I want to be a full-time quarterback. Right. So maybe it was just a little bit before his time with that, but uh, I'm excited for it. And I I hope it works out again. I don't know what the whole tight end thing, uh, if he, if he's really going to, play tight end or what but uh, regardless I'm, I'm pretty pumped for it um how about switching gears to our game canadian game obviously the uh cfl season has been postponed till at least august but that's you know tentative as well uh big talk about the cfl xfl merger potential uh aj what are your feelings about that uh yeah so i mean first of all i'm i'm hopeful that they can start uh you know uh at their goal date there uh i'm you know, kind of go up and down. Some days I think it's possible and some days you open the news here and you're like, how are they going to start? Because as we all know, I think, uh, you know, the CFL doesn't have the luxury of operating without fans in the stands like some of the other professional sports leagues do. So, I, you know, I think we're in top there and a significant amount of fans in the stands, right? right. Like I know right. some leagues can even operate, you know, they'll let a couple thousand people in, but I don't think the CFL can stay afloat like that. So um, I'm... I'm, I'm hopeful that they can start and get a season off the ground this year. Obviously we left off with the bombers winning the great cup yeah. and I was looking forward to them last year, getting a, a bit, uh, you know, chance to defend that title and go get another one. And uh, didn't get to happen. So um, as, as, as far as the merger goes, you know, it's, it obviously brings some excitement. Um, I know there's been some, uh, you know, times in the past there, we had that expansion down into the, into the States, uh, for Baltimore and Sacramento, and I think it was Vegas part of that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, um, yeah. right, yes, yeah. And and I, I don't I don't like quite remember. Obviously, I was younger at the time, so I wouldn't have been paying attention to the logistics or the or the business side of that venture. But obviously, with it not lasting, I'm assuming it didn't work out well. And I know there's been talks about it before. Um, this one gives me hope for one reason because the rocks involved and I know for some people that might seem a little bit 
gimmicky or whatever because they just think of him as a wrestler. But when you look at his track record as a businessman, he doesn't seem to make uh, many mistakes. Seems like anything lately that he touches turns to gold. I mean, whatever the guy gets involved in, he you know, wrestler, he's the biggest wrestler of all time. Movies is the biggest action movies. Movies make more money than anyone else. He makes his own tequilas. Tequila is the number one selling alcohol in the world. Like everything this guy seems to do seems to be very calculated and well thought out and well executed. So, and, and also he, he does have, it's a short time, but he does have a little bit of, you know, um, experience with Canadian football and, unlike some Americans, he does know it exists. He does know it's a legitimate league with great players and great talent. And um, so, you know, I'm, I'm kind of hopeful for that. I, I, I think the biggest thing too is the CFL probably just, it probably needs cash, right? It like does. we have, we have a, a bunch of teams that aren't doing well in some of our bigger markets, like uh, population wise, like Toronto and Vancouver are our biggest population wise. And I think the teams struggle there. I think Montreal's back to struggling. I think they were doing okay for a while, but it seems like they're struggling again. Like it's almost just really become the prairies, like, you know, Manitoba, Saskatchewan, Alberta, where it seems to just, you know, have a great footing in those prairie provinces that it does really well. But the other ones, we need some help. I don't know where you get the cash from for that, right? He maybe brings a, you know, a ton of uh, influx of cash that maybe needs to be, uh, uh, you know, leaned upon to, to, expand and get something going i haven't really heard maybe you guys have i don't know if they're talking about like if that would be only u.s expansion i read an article something about something to do with overseas ones or you know something like that but i just think that uh um we might not have a choice right like if the cfl is not able to operate again this year and it goes two years without operating Mm -hmm. and all those losses i would imagine almost half the teams in the league that might that might uh, shut the lights off on him, you know, so. Make a lot of great points there. How about you, Coach Jones? How do you feel about it? Well, I'm a little, I come from a different era. So, you know, you saw the USFL and, uh, you know, you watched that and that didn't really last. It lasted a couple of years. You had a a guy, well, I guess, I don't know if he's very smart, Donald Trump. He was also running that too. So, uh, you know, and then you saw the XFL that was there. I mean, they were having financial problems at the end. Yeah. And you, hey, what AJ says about The Rock is true. The problem with the CFL and what I'm worried about is there's the three teams that are really the issue. And that's the Lions, that's the Argos, and that's the Alouettes. And the Alouettes is an easy fix because you look at the problems you have with all the amateur players and that. And, you know, they've got a they've got a great scheme. They just have to market. And Toronto, you know, people in Toronto are so high on the nfl and that's what they want you know and bc the same thing but are we fixing the cfl for two or three teams compared to nine teams mm-hmm. um and then also what does it do to the canadian talent i mean you think about it when you guys were young playing and everything like that your chances were you know if they were hard but you look at the players now that are going to the cfl from the cis from junior football it's a lot more now if you join the XFL, and they've already talked about it, they're talking about lowering the uh, number of Canadian players playing the game. So that's scary from a Canadian standpoint. And the CFL is Canada's game. So what is this going to be? That's that's the question. Yeah, we need something, but is the XFL the answer? That's my question, you know. And I don't know if that's fully been answered. I mean, transparency, 
you really haven't seen too much of it. If they were more transparent about money, about, okay, the teams, you know the XFL is going to have the TV network. But, again, look at them toward the end. There were a couple teams that were close to folding. So how is the CFL really going to help the XFL? That's the problem. So we, we have to look at that. But I'm worried about the Canadian talent. That's what I'm worried about. I think it would, I think the merger would hurt the Canadian player because I think guys like you, a lot of uh, coaches, everything, have gone strides over strides and, and improving the Canadian game and getting more Canadians into the CFL. And Randy's already talked about we're going to lower the uh, Canadian count. Well, that's not good for Canadian talent, in my opinion. I agree. I agree. And that's my biggest worry is that, you know, as much as I love our Canadian game, our three downs, our field, our ball, all the rules, like, I don't want to lose any of that. But if it's a matter of, you know, of, you know, creating a league where we can continue to play football and it's not that game, but we can continue to have the Canadian town, especially in the, on, in the Canadian markets. I know that, you know, when AJ was talking about in the past, when we had the American uh, teams enter the CFL in the 90s there, I believe that at that point, those teams didn't have to honor the ratio, right? Like the American teams could have a full roster of Americans, but the Canadian teams kept the ratio. You know, talking to some other people, they feel like maybe this is a, a more of an opportunity for Canadians, that there's more jobs, more teams, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I don't know. It, I, I agree with you in the terms of it's not really transparent right now, so it's hard to really know. Um, and, and I'm definitely worried about that as well. I, I got one quick question for you guys. Yeah. I don't mind. If you had to um, get rid of one Canadian rule in the game, like so if it had to be the size of our ball, the whatever, field size, motion, 12th man, um, the rouge, like anything like that, which one would you guys be willing to sacrifice to be like, yeah, I'm not too, I'm not too hung up on that rule. Like if we got rid of that, I would be okay with it. The rouge. The rouge. The rouge. (laughs) Cool. Yeah, I was just curious. Yeah, I know. As far as Canadian content goes, as far as like the rules and stuff go, which ones you guys would be like, so what's something you guys would absolutely not want to give up? For me, it's the field because as a quarterback, and and I've said this a few times, is that like the field dimensions really change the game. Like, okay, maybe the route concepts are the same and and whatever, but I, I, you know, I can recall being at UND football camp in grade 12 and, and not having a hot clue what they were doing defensively. All they were doing was playing some cover three. And I couldn't throw anything but one-on-one fades down the sideline because I couldn't find a hole. It was like every time I drop back, I look, oh, I missed that guy. I missed that window. Oh, So I just end up chucking right. fades, you know, right. and it was like, holy moly, this is tough. Like, so, uh, yeah, that that's the one part. Like, I, I love our field size and, you know, how you can manipulate yeah. the, the defense. Also, the, third, uh, the three downs. I would not want to give up the three downs. It just opens up our game so much more. Yeah. And uh, there's talk about in the merger them going to a four down league like yeah. the Americans, and I just, you know, it just I think it hurts. I love the three down league, you know, the passing, everything else, the whole bit. I just think that's that, that's what makes our league great. Back at it for the second quarter with Coach Gies, AJ Zeglin, and Coach Jones. So, AJ, we uh, we go way back. 1991, I was nine years old. The first football team I ever played on, uh, coached by uh, former Bomber, former CFLer Dan Hucklack. We were the, I think we were actually the James Wood Seahawks was our name that year because we were an amalgamation of Charles Wood and St. James and 
surrounding yeah. areas. And, and Coach Jones, I remember you from uh, my first recollection is uh, 1993, Charles and Broncos playing the Dakota Lasers in the semifinal, and and we lost an epic game. And that's when that's when I first remember you, um, Coach. Let, let's start. Let's start with your career. You know, talk talk to me about growing up, and uh, you know what it was like to be in the Jonesy family and playing sports and and all that stuff. I actually didn't start football until high school. Uh, I was a soccer player growing up. Um, my uh, mom died when I was 11 years old, and my dad's an old military guy. Uh, he actually played uh, rugby for Wales, and uh, okay. he was with the British Commandos. And he came here after war, married my mom. And so growing up, uh, my dad really didn't want me to play football because he wanted me to play rugby because he thought football, uh, nah, they're not tough. And so I was in soccer. I'm like, okay, fine. And then I got recruited uh, from my high school teacher, Tom Stewart at Kelvin. And uh, so grade 11, I decided to play football. And um, believe it or not, I was actually fast back then. I had some speed. So, <laughs> you know, it's kind of hard to imagine, but I did. So I ended up uh, playing two years of high school. And then Tim Raxter, who was the head coach of uh, Grand Park at the time, went to become uh, the defense coordinator of the Hawkeyes. Well, he tried to recruit me, and um, I was dating a girl in St. Patel, so I said, forget it. I ended up going to the St. Patel Mustangs. I actually married that girl and uh, Cheryl Lee, and uh, basically I played junior Mustangs for three years. We won two junior championships, lost both times to the Eastern Canadian Championship to the Ottawa Sooners, who went and won the national championship a week later. So... Um, great bunch of guys I played with, great coaches. Uh, my defensive back coach, um, Franken, really got me. He said, you know what, you should coach. I didn't think anything of it. And uh, I actually, you know, my dad died the year later. I was going to go play Bison's because Cycle was trying to recruit me. And uh, so anyway, I, I finished my degree, got a job. I was working part-time. Actually, I was working in a menswear, in a, at Asher Menswear in Holt Renfrew while working at MPI. So I had okay. two jobs, and we had our first son, and uh, I was terrible with diapers. And my wife says, listen, you're, you're terrible with diapers and all that. Just go coach football. And that's how I got coached in the football. That <laughs> yeah, was weird. So I owe that to my son and my wife. She's, you know, she, I think she just wanted me out of the house. So, yeah. so in 1993, I started coaching football. But as far as playing, I, I really didn't start playing football until high school. I played in Calvin. It was my old high school coach who was still there when I went back to coach. Uh, he was still teaching, and AJ was going to school there at Kelvin, and that was Tom Stewart. So it was kind of neat. Can you, uh, can you talk about, like, junior football at that time? Because I know football, like, the dynamics of everything were so different at that point. And, and I, don't, yeah. I don't know a whole lot about it, so I'd like to kind of learn about, you know, those times. Well, 83, my first year, I was fresh out of high school, and in junior football, you only had a roster of 40. You could carry five guys with a practice roster, and that's it. So at St. Patel, I think we had about 200 guys try out, and there were five teams. There was us, the Winnipeg Hawkeyes, the Fort Gary Lions, the Winnipeg Rods, and the Thunder Bay Giants. And at that time, we flew to Thunder Bay. We didn't bust. We flew. You know, they had money and all that. It was a, it was a prominent league. And most players actually wanted to play junior than play university. Most of the guys that when I tried out for the Mustangs that got cut, they went for starters on the bison. So it was kind of like, what? Like, mm -hmm. you know, it was like junior was 
big thing rather than university back then. And uh, my graduating year, I think there was about 18, 19 of us that graduated. Um, I couldn't go play university again because my father had passed away, so I had to get on with my life. But pretty well, all the guys that graduated went and ended up becoming starters on the Bisons the following year. So uh, playing junior back then, you're only allowed 40, you know, five guys on the practice roster. We didn't have the rosters that junior football or university have now. You know, I mean, and even then, back then, when the Bisons played, um, they only had a roster of like 36, 37 guys. They didn't have the 90 guys that they carry now. So it's, it's, uh, it was, it's totally different, you know, and the rules are a lot different. I mean, back then, if you're tackling, leading with your head, that that was actually, that was cheered. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it wasn't frowned upon, <laughs> which kind of maybe talks about my brain aspect. Okay. So no, I'm just kidding. But, uh, but that's what happened. I mean, spearing was kind of like, okay, if you, got a penalty i got caught but most of the time guys would spear they'd lead with their heads all the time there was no chest plate tackle or what you see now i mean it was it was man oh man you you were hitting each other and it was great i mean you know that was football back then so that was it it was good times i agree okay how about you aj take us through growing up in the zeglin house Uh, number one i need to know was there really a bench press in your living room because i heard that story for years (laughs) Uh, yeah. and, and talk about, talk about your days growing, growing up and playing football. Yeah. Um, there, so there, there was, there, there, there was a gym in the Zeglin house. So, uh, <laughs> you know what, which was great, which, which probably actually helped lead me to what I do now, you know, cause I just, I just grew up thinking that that was a normal thing that you did every day, that you, that you lifted weights every day as part of your day, you know, um, so it, it, that, there, there is a little bit of truth to that. So that's, uh, that's funny. <laughs> that's that <pretty> you. <laughs> awesome. yeah. Um, but yeah, you know what? I, I, I think I played almost every sport I could as, as a kid uh, growing up. And then uh, I came home from school one day and my good friend at school, um, uh, as you know, from the, the quarterback brotherhood here, Ryan Gerardin. Twinks. Uh, Twinkie. Twinks. Yeah. Twinks. Um, Twinks. I remember him, you know, we, we, we would always play around in, in the, in the schoolyard and he would, he would want to be Joe Montana and I'd be Jerry Rice and we would play at recess and he'd just throw me bombs all the time. And, uh, so I came home one day and, uh, at school, Ryan had told me, he's like, Hey, uh, I think I'm going to play football this year. There's a league in the city. And I was like, like real football, like helmet, shoulder pads, tackling, like the whole thing. And he's like, yeah. So I got home and I told my parents, I said, Hey, like, I want to play football. And they're like, Oh, okay. That's, you know, that's great. You, they're like, uh, your dad played football and all your uncles played football and your whole family. And I was like, Oh, I, I didn't know this. Like no one's mentioned this to really? me before. So it's kind of funny how maybe some things like that are just kind of in the blood. You know, I, I just, I had asked about playing and I had no idea that anyone, anyone in my family had even played at that point. Um, they were a big Churchill family. My, all my dad and all my uncles, they played at Churchill and, okay. and, uh, so that's where you went, you know, that's where the tough kids went to yeah. play, you know, if you were, <laughs> uh, so I, I, I kind of grew up with that. So it was, it was actually kind of, um, funny. I actually chose to go to Kelvin over Churchill when it was time for high school. And that was, that was a big deal that, uh, Zeglin wasn't going to Churchill, you know, oh, to yeah. follow the family, uh, the family path there. But, um, yeah, so I grew up playing, we, we had no team out in the country, right. from a small town outside the city. And, uh, so they looked around and I guess, as you mentioned, James Wood there, because 
they just they didn't have enough kids right. uh, to field a team. So they sent us out from the country, and they were like, "Hey, you guys are playing out in St. James," and uh, that's where I was just extremely fortunate. When I look back, I don't think I could have been placed in a better spot, you know, uh, to learn the game. Um, at you know, Dan Huckluck was our first coach, and I ended up playing running back, the position that he played. And uh, what a mentor for me to have, um, uh, like, through my first years learning the game and learning the position and playing football. It was it was an awesome experience. Uh, I, I still hold uh, Coach Huck in a very high regard uh, for everything that he, that he helped me with. And obviously playing with both his sons over the years. And, yeah, it was, it was awesome. So... Um, just so I played, played community football until, uh, um, until I got to high school and then I, I made the jump over and chose to go to, uh, Kelvin high school. Um, and, uh, and then after when played, played at, uh, university of Manitoba and, um, just love, love the game. You know, I, I really credit most, I would say, if not all <laughs> my, I feel, um, like the foundation that was laid for me on what my idea of hard work is, what my idea of teamwork is, what my idea of commitment is. Um, all those things I think were given to me through the sport of football. Um, I really do believe that. And I, I think any success that I've had in doing anything since I've stopped playing has directly come from all those lessons, you know, that I learned while I was playing the game. So I, I, I can't imagine my life, uh, without it, you know, everything from the success I've had, uh, uh, in my field of work, you know, if in, in, in my relationship and being a father and being a friend, uh, and being a good son, uh, and being a good husband, you know, like all those different aspects of my life. I really think football taught me how to, how to do those things and what it actually meant, you know, like I said, about hard work and commitment and dedication and uh, sacrifice and all those things, I think was taught to me uh, through through the game. But uh, one, one real funny story, if you want to know what it was like in the Zeglin household growing up with football, sure do. is I remember the first day we we're going to the community club. So you go check out all your equipment right? and then we get home in the backyard and my dad's going to teach us about equal force. So his whole thing was like, first lesson he's going to teach you is that it doesn't matter how big you are, you know, you can't be scared, right. right? And as long as you're not scared and you go in and you hit the guy as hard as you can, like you're going to be okay. But if you chicken out, you know, and you got this guy coming at you and you slow down, you kind of catch, you know, that's when you're going to get hurt. Okay. So to, uh, to demonstrate this, he decides to squeeze his head into my brother's football helmet. He was only three oh. years older than me at the time. And he's got me on the backyard and he tells me to put on my helmet. And what he's going to do is he's going to headbutt me. And he wants me to headbutt him back just as hard as he's headbutting me. Okay. So I'm terrified at this point in time, right? So he, he grabs my cage, my face mask, and starts headbutting me. You know, I get worried. I put my hands up in oh. front of my face, you know, to like, so now my hands are getting squished. My fingers are getting squished between our face masks every time he headbutts me. I'm just a little kid. I'm like nine years old, right? So now I'm almost crying. My mom's coming out in the back year, backyard on the deck yelling at my dad. And he's like, what? He's got to learn. Equal force, you know, equal force. And uh, so that was. <laughs> that is that an was, awesome story. If you know. If you know my dad, if you know Big Ed, the story's not going to surprise you, you know. But uh, but yeah, it was just kind of it was kind of funny. That was that was part of my introduction uh, to the game. But obviously, 
you know, I obviously I loved it because I uh, <laughs> continued playing after that. Absolutely. I love I love how you talk about, you know, the lessons learned from the game and just how that's made you a better man. I'll say um, in terms of like, obviously, my first football experience was playing with you. Uh, I was just a, a defensive lineman. I think I was a nose tackle. Um, and maybe that's where I should have stayed. Who knows? But uh, <laughs> but regardless, I remember just how talented you were and how you just scored touchdown. And I didn't even know what was going on at that point. I, I didn't really know what was happening in the games. You were just scoring left, right, and center. Um, so I always, uh, you know, sort of, even though we were peers, I sort of looked up to you just for how talented you were. And uh, the best thing about that, man, is just that you're a humble dude. And all throughout the years, whenever we'd run into each other, it was, you know, you're you're the same guy today as you were then. And uh, I have total respect for you. I always thought you were an awesome player. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. Back at it for the third quarter with Coach Gies, Coach Graham Jones, and A.J. Zeglin. So, guys, uh, this quarter here, I kind of want to talk about our coaching and training backgrounds. I've uh, been coaching football for about 17 years. Uh, the last time I coached real football was with Coach Jones at the Winnipeg Rifles. I've uh, been running my uh, Big Air Academy camps, and, and now I'm associated with Pro Prep Academy as well. Uh, but I started Big Air Academy about five years ago, so I, I've been pretty busy with things and, and able to coach at a lot of different places and, and really learn and grow from that. Uh, coach Jones, you've got a lengthy coaching career. Uh, can you talk to my audience about about that? Take it, take us through, you know, the beginning to where you're at now. Me and my wife, we got married in 1990 and had our first son in 93 in February. Well. You know, new father and all that. Great, great with him, looking after him. But as far as changing diapers and all that, forget it. I was, I was a clot. So my wife's like, just watching me. Says, listen, I know you love football because I watch it all the time. Go coach. So I got uh, Bill Gordon had phoned me up. He was the convener of Dakota Lancers and asked if I wanted to coach. And the money vanity. So okay, fine. And he says, like, oh, listen, I know you played all that the whole bit. You need to take your level. So I went and took my level one, two. Um, and then I was coaching and the coach there for a couple of years. And then Fred Schneider asked me to be on the board of football Manitoba in 1995. So I was on the board of football Manitoba in marketing. I was actually the first guy that got the kids to play at the stadiums as they call them the crunchers now. So I was the marketing guy that started this back in 1995. And so in 96, the provincial team was going to fold. The coaches had just walked out. They only had like 35 guys. So Mike Bernier comes to me and says, listen, me and you will coach this team. We'll take this team and we'll go to Reggie. So he gets on the phone, phone these players. Fred Schneider goes, we'll drive out. So now the coaches on the staff decided to come back. So we went out to Red Deer, ragtag bunch of players, Chris Boshin, uh, Jeff Morgan, yeah, Morgan and all that. Yeah. They were on the bus and all that. We ended up going to Red Deer and we won the bronze medal. Shocking. I mean, I couldn't believe it, but we won the bronze medal. And then coming back that year in July, I was on the board. And Paul Normando was on the board. And Paul goes, listen, I know you're, co you're coach and all that. I know you're a DB coach and run defense. Paul, I need a DB coach. Do you want to come out? And he didn't know much of me and anything like that. So... I went to practice, and of course, if anybody knows Paul, Paul watches to make sure you know what the heck you're doing. Because <laughs> if you don't know what the heck you're doing, he's going to step in and tell you. He's going to call you up. So I'm doing the defensive backs and all that, and he's watching. He goes, holy smokes, you do this, this. He didn't know. 
I was doing all the stuff I did when I played junior. Okay, I'm leaving him alone. He knows what he's doing. So, Paul, I, I joined the staff of, um, of, of the Clippers in 96, and AJ was on that, and his dad. His dad was uh, the D-line coach. I was the defensive back coach. Uh, Dan Simco was our defensive coordinator. And Dan was a little strange, but a uh, nice guy. And, uh, and then we had Jeff Mayer. He was another, he did linebackers as well. Jeff came on staff. And the funny thing is, a lot of people don't know this, uh, Kyle Relke played defensive back for me in grade 10. A lot of guys didn't realize. But Kyle was a little chubby kid back in grade 10. Grade 11, he's, boom, he just he looked like a stud, him and AJ. And then 97, we lost a semifinal game to River East. And um, actually, that was the year they had the age where grade 13s could come back. Right. And we had beat this team earlier in the year, 35 nothing. We lose to them 4-3 in the semifinals. So in 98, uh, Dan Simco had left, and Paul came to me and says, listen, we're going to make you the defensive coordinator. And so I, that was my first gig as a defensive coordinator. And to tell you the truth, that first game was almost my last game, or at least the first half. Um, we were losing 7 nothing to Churchill. So we're playing the Bulldogs. Yeah. And um, I think, I don't know if it was AJ or, or Dave Houston that blocked, blocked the field goal or punt, and we ran it back and scored. It was 7-7 at half. And Houston, so anyway, Houston blocked yeah. it. <laughs> and you ran it back? Yeah. <laughs> One of you guys, yeah, for a touchdown. So it was now 7-7 at half. Well, at halftime, Paul Normando comes in at, at halftime and goes, Jonesy, what the are you doing? You know, I'd given up like 400 yards in total offense. And I look at him. I said, listen, I'm making adjustments, everything else, the whole bit. We're going to be fine. Sure enough, we came out the second half. We won 37-7. They didn't get a first down the rest of the game. And that was it. And so 98, uh, I was at Calvin. We won. Left in 99. My work had changed. I had to leave. I went to St. Patel, coached with uh, Greg Persephone for two years. Uh, Paul Normando had phoned me in 2001 said, listen, this is my last year of coaching high school. I want you back. I want to get the guys back. So he had me back. I came back. I was able to make it work with work and uh, went back in 2001, coached. And then he had retired. And then Ed became the head coach. And uh, Ed tried to keep me on staff. I just couldn't because of work. So I ended up coaching the Fort Gary Lions, the major league. Sure. that uh, with Lloyd Urbanowski. So mm-hmm. I did that for a year. Then I went to St. Patel and ran their midget program or was the defense coordinator with Christian Casteri for a couple of years. At that time, I did my level three and Paul was always in touch with me and um, I finished my level three and I became a course conductor. So I was teaching defensive backs, intro to coaching level one and all that. And um it's St. Patel for a number of years. In 05, Normado asked me to be the defensive back for the provincial team, U19. Mm-hmm. And I had a bunch of coaches out. I had Jason Jakovich. I had Aaron Taylor, who played with AJ, and Dave Houston, who played with AJ. at Calvin Lear out as guest coaches. And we won the national championship that year. And then 06, I went back, coached midgets again for a couple of years. And then my son asked me to coach because he had a coach in Adam. Uh, who they didn't like, and he says, Dad, if you don't coach, we're not going to play football. So I got coerced by nine and ten-year-olds to be the head coach of an Adam. I said, okay, I'll coach you guys on one condition. I'm still going to coach midget, but you guys are going to practice against a midget. So that that story that 
AJ told you about uh, him and his dad. Yeah. I did that with my kids, with my football team, with the midgets. So I had the little guys tackle the big guys. Now yeah. I told, except I told the big guys, look like you're getting killed. So <laughs> our little guys loved it. For sure. They beat the crap out of our older guys, right? <laughs> except a couple guys like Matt Arnold and Tyler Fabry got nutted. And so <laughs> that was kind of embarrassing. And uh, so anyway, we played that year. And, and these kids won the championship. And, and then from there, you know, I, I, I coached. I went back. Then I coached with the Rifles with Paul for two years. Mm-hmm. And then Dakota uh, Lancer started their program in 2010. Right. And Ray Jarvis phoned me and asked me to be the DC. So I went there. And at that time, actually, I had AJ train my son Brody. So, I mean, AJ, I owe him a, him a great gratitude, thanks, and all that. Did a great job with Brody because if anybody knows my son, he's not the tallest guy in the world. but you know, he's kind of like uh, another Chris Boshin, except Boshin was a little bit taller, you know. But, I mean, uh, he had technique, and he got great coaching. Not for me. Okay, I did defense. I didn't touch my kid, get anywhere near my kids. So uh, so he had some great O-line coaches. He had Boshin later on. And uh, so I coached Dakota for a couple of years. And then Ryan Carhart uh, recruited me to the Rifles in 2015, I believe it was or 2014, and uh, I went there, except Ryan took the job at York University, so now Jason Parks was there, and he asked me to stay on, and me and uh, Neville Scarlett. So me and Nev were there, and then Jordy Wilson came on, I guess they fired the coaching staff, but the board and and Jordy asked me and Neville to stay, so we stayed. And yeah, I've been been with the Rifles ever since. I do special teams, but I miss defense. Defense is my first call, like running a defense. Yeah. I'm a defensive coordinator by nature. That's what I am. That's what I've always been. And and I owe that to, to Norman. I mean, he's a, he was a great coach and a great mentor, you know, the whole bit. I mean, AJ could tell you tons of stories about Norman Doe, and, 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 and we'll probably get into that later, uh, especially the, the championship run, because those guys tormented Norman Doe. I mean, it was crazy what they did to him. So <laughs> they were good times. So, yeah, that's kind of my, my coaching career, long and short. But uh, along the way, I've been blessed by, by having great players, great young men who, you know, they're like family to me, like AJ, Houston, Boshin, Brad Sarna, you know, all these guys. You guys are like, they're like family, you know, uh, and, and they made me feel young. When I was coaching on the field, I felt like I was there with them, you know, and, and that, that was the, and to see them win, uh, you know, and, and what they do off the field, it's special. And, and, and that, and that's why I got into coaching to help kids. I mean, I wasn't, a, I wasn't about winning or anything. It was about developing the player, right. you know, making them better on and off the field. Because like AJ says, football teaches a lot of things about life and, and you learn, you know, and you become a family. You're always there for, for one another. And I'm just, you know, grateful for all the young athletes that I had that, that I feel that are part of my family. So that's really, in a nutshell, Coach Jones's coaching career. No, that's awesome, Coach. You know, speaking of your Dakota days, I'm thinking back. I think it was 2013. I was the OC of Vincent Massey. We're playing you, I think, in the first, what was the game called? Is it the? Oh, the MS. The, the MS, MS Society Bowl game, first yeah. game. It's first game of the yeah. season. We're playing you guys. And uh, honestly, Coach, and I think I've told you this before, it's the only game I've ever coached in my life where I didn't know what to call. Like you guys were playing cover four and I didn't have anything that could defeat cover four. But the problem was like, okay, you're letting us throw underneath, but your defensive line was 
annihilating our offensive line and killing my quarterback. So I really had nothing to call. It was the most frustrating game of my life. Uh, so you know what? Like I'll I'll give you the uh, the kudos on that. I think you're an awesome defensive mind, and I agree. I think I think you should uh, you should be continuing to coach defense. So and, and uh, well, if I if I can just say one thing, I yeah. mean I learned this back in the Kelvin days with these guys. Um, you know coaching i went into a game as far as a defense coordinator about feel about use and you talked about it about the feel mm -hmm. and and i always was going to make sure that we contained everything and we forced you inside and if i went into a game and i and i always hear coaches say we're going to go into a game and we're going to give 14 points or we're going to give up whatever and i'm like no if i'm going into a football game we're giving up nothing yeah. if we can get a shutout that's a win because if my offense scores one point, we win the game one nothing. Mm -hmm. And so that was always my philosophy: is to we want to shut you out. I mean, we had lost to you guys. We've won. We beat you guys fifteen to five. But I went home and for a week I was watching that film and why I gave up five points. So I was pissed off. So <laughs> well, I was pretty pissed off too. Only scored five points. So both yeah. in the same boat. So AJ, I'm interested in getting into your uh, coaching and training background. Uh, you know, you work with a lot of athletes right now. You've worked with the Manitoba Moose and the Winnipeg Jets. So I'm interested in you talking and telling my audience about your experiences and going through that time. Yeah. Um, so I did, uh, as soon as I was done playing, I did I did get into coaching football for a while. Obviously, that was my, you know, football is my first love. So I was um, going back, helping coach at Bison Spring Camps, helping coach the running backs there, um, coached uh, running backs for the provincial team. Right. And uh, back at Kelvin High School for spring camps and stuff, just kind of helping out here and there. And then um, I coached running backs for two years at the uh, at the Winnipeg Rifles mm -hmm. uh, for junior football. Um, that was I got the coach from uh, our sorry, the call from Coach Normando. Um, so it was it was awesome to go back there and actually coach well with a, a few coaches, Coach Jones included and coach with these coaches that had coached me that I had so much respect for as a player. Um, I couldn't pass up the opportunity to go coach with them uh, as a coach, you know, so it was it was great. Really, really loved it. And then um, at that time, my son was getting older. So then all of a sudden I became a coach dad, you know, and I was coaching sports. I had no business coaching, you know, and we're, we're, we're out in a small town here in LaSalle. So I find, you know, what happens is uh, whichever dads decide to help out coaching that first year in that first sport, mm -hmm. that's it, man. Like they're <laughs> calling on you for everything. So I coached soccer. I coached baseball. I've coached, uh, hockey. I've coached basketball. I've coached, you know, everything, uh, over the years. So it's, uh, it's been kind of interesting, you know, but, um, and then, uh, yeah. And then, and then got into, uh, you know, I, even though I'm not coaching on the on the field now, I still feel, um, you know, in the industry that I work in, uh, my position is a strength and conditioning coach. And I actually think that uh, there's a lot of similarities between coaching in the gym and on the field. Obviously, you know, the the techniques that you're that you're coaching are different, you know, but you're still coaching a system. You're still coaching a technique. You're still trying to build a culture and an environment. Um, and, you know, so there's a lot of similarities there that I drew from, from my playing days and my coaching days of, you know, being on the field and coaching mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, it just, just looks slightly different, right? Like instead of your playbook, now you got your program, right. uh, you know, instead of the technique on how you're going to line up on different plays, you got the technique of the exercises, you know? And, and like I said, um, a lot of coaching in the gym 
I feel uh, a huge part of it is the relationships that you build with the athletes. So I try to stress that to all my staff. And I think that's why I've been able to have um, uh, a fair amount of success so far and get the opportunities that I have gotten is, um, is because of the relationships that I've built with the athletes that have trained there. And that was taught to me by the relationships of the great coaches that I had as a kid growing up playing football. Right. So I understood, I had this understanding that, hey, coaching is more than just the knowledge out of the book. Mm-hmm. You know, like you could know everything in the world about any, you could pick up any football playbook in the world and you could study that thing and you could know it inside and out, every line in there verbatim. But if you can't relay that information in a relatable way to your players, yeah. it, it doesn't do you any good. Right. They're right. not going to respect it. They're not going to understand it. They're not going to be able to utilize it. Um, so, you know, I, I kind of learned that um organically almost uh um just through being a player you know and having these coaches like i had a, a you know growing up playing football in manitoba um you know i i had i had dan huckluck um i had um coach normando i had coach jones i had a uh, coach pura mm-hmm. um like i had an unbelievable resource of coaches um, that these guys, you know, if you're paying attention, they're going to teach you stuff that is going to go, uh, beyond the football field. Right. right. And so, it, you know, that's, that's what I kind of found happened, um, uh, with me in, in my profession. Right. So now I'm in the gym, but it's, like I said, it's a strength and conditioning coach. Um, you know, with the, with the hockey teams, with our city's hockey teams this year, we kind of we separated the Jets and the Moose up in their own independent bubbles because of the COVID situation. There's no crossover with the teams, but you know, uh, so with the Moose this year because they were out at the Iceplex where uh, uh, where the gym that I operate is. Um, you know, as a strength and conditioning coach, that's what you are. You're part of the coaching staff, so you're you're a coach. But it's just you know, in the context of hockey, it's just off ice coach, right? Mm-hmm. Is what they label you under. So uh, that's where I've spent my last. Uh, I guess, you know, 12 plus years, 13 years now, uh, coaching is, um, you know, in, in the gym. Um, but, uh, I love it. Like I said, it's, uh, it's been great. And it's obviously how I make my living too. So it's, 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 it isn't, uh, you know, it's important to me, but, uh, am I ever, um, appreciative, you know, of the fact that I can coach for a living, you know, what, what, a what an absolute, um, awesome thing. I have never woken up a single second of any day and not wanted to go to work. You know, when you get to, when you get to coach people as your job. Um, yeah, it's just, just been awesome and really a big part of, uh, um, my life, but I think it was all set, you know, you're, you're like a sponge as a kid, you know, and your, your influence and all these things influence your life without even you realizing it at the time. And when I go back now in hindsight, you know, I think that table was kind of set for me, you know, by, um, having the opportunity to have these amazing people coach me and, uh, and growing up with a bench press in the family room, <laughs> put those two together. And that's, that's where, that's yeah. how I ended up where I am. You know, there you go. Well, I got, I got one question for you. Uh, yeah. what is the biggest difference between you're around hockey guys, right? So what is the biggest difference yeah. that you have picked up between hockey guys and football guys? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, great question. You know what? And and I would say in in any sport, there's definitely it's like anything in life. There's a lot more similarities than there are differences. Right. You know, you get in that locker room setting and that team environment, and it's like ninety nine percent the same, right? 
It, it, it really is. Um, I would say in football, you do get, and th- this is probably, um, you know, for a couple different reasons, but it is a much broader spectrum of people that you have coming together um, in football. So one, your roster is bigger, bigger yeah. you know, and, and two, um, you know, just, just, you know, growing up, like, um, hockey is a really, really, really expensive sport. Mm-hmm. It, it really is. Yeah. And that really, unfortunately closes the doors, uh, for a lot of people to play that sport. Right. right. Where football, I mean, growing up, I don't know, what did we pay? Like 200 bucks and they gave you your equipment. As long as you give it back at the end of the year, you yeah. were, you were good. Right. And right. you've got to buy yourself yeah. a pair of cleats every year. Right. So, so I, I would say that, um, you know, the, the kind of broad spectrum of, of, uh, um, of people that, um, that you call teammates in football was, was, was kind of like a, we came from all different kind of walks of life, you know, right. like a much broader spectrum than I've found when, when working in hockey. And it's not to say that anyone was better that the guys that I've worked with in hockey have been absolute beauties, just awesome, awesome people too. Right. right. Like the quality of people, you know, has been great in, in both sports, but, um, Football, I think you get this much greater kind of like, uh, like almost like diversity, right? Yeah. Um, because it, the the sports kind of available to more people here, growing up and like you know, through community club and, and through high school and stuff like that. Um, you know, there's you know not certain barriers kind of placed on the sport where. I mean, if you're a teenage kid playing AAA hockey in the city here, you gotta you're paying ten thousand dollars a year to play hockey, right. you know, and you haven't even paid for your skates yet. So, I mean, it, you know that that is one kind of, you know, I think stumbling block on hockey is just how expensive the sport is. So, so I, I would say that that's maybe one one difference is just the diversity like within the sport, yeah. and of course I love that with football, right? Like. I mean, the characters that you've played with on a football team are, is like, I'm sure each of you probably have a million stories of different people that you play with because it's, it's just such a, a broad spectrum of, of guys that you got to call teammates. And it's just like one kind of big giant family. And it's that's something that's really cool about it too, though, you know? Back at it for the fourth quarter with A.J. Zeglin, Graham Jones, and Coach Gies. So, guys, this is going to be the most fun part of the today. Uh, I want to talk about the 1998 championship season. Obviously, uh, Calvin Clippers played the Oak Park Raiders, so you guys versus me. And I, I, took, a, I took an L on there. But, you know what, You know, going back to kind of my last day of grade 10, so it would have been you know my last day of grade 10 going into that 98 season for the fall, uh, our basketball coach, Coach Randy Cassano, he just recently was inducted in the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame, I believe. Uh, he asked me to come for a, a basketball workout last day. So I'm like, yeah, for sure, whatever. So I go, I'm playing ball. And we're having a good time. It's an afternoon. And I go up for a rebound. I get the ball. I come down and I land on somebody's foot. My ankle goes completely over, snapped. I know instantly my foot is broken. So... <laughs> Anyways, I hobble off. Coach Cassano calls my dad. My dad comes to pick me up. So subsequently, we had gotten our report cards those that day. So my dad is already pissed off because he doesn't like basketball. He thinks basketball is not a sport for uh, for guys like us. So uh, he wasn't happy that I got hurt playing basketball, number one. Uh, number two, we're on the drive to Pan Am. And keep in mind, my foot is completely broken. So I'm like sort of in shock, like just trying to like keep it together. And he's reading my report card to me and pissed off with the grades that I've got. 
So that was kind of a, an interesting situation. But uh, so I ended up, you know, broken foot, had to have the cast on all summer. I did as best I could to rehab and, and be ready for week one, which was, uh, yeah, it took me a while to kind of get back to normal. But, uh, you know, that was kind of leading up to that season. Uh, AJ, what do you remember about the 1998 season? Uh, you know what? I, I remember it, obviously, uh, very fond memories of it because uh, that was the year we finally put it all to, together. My three years at Kelvin, my first year we had lost in the championship game to Sisler. Right. Second year, second year, which was maybe probably the most talented high school team I think I ever played, maybe the most talented team I ever played on. Um, and we ended up uh, losing in the semifinal. It was 4-3 to that game that uh, Jonesy already alluded to before. Right. Um, and then, so, um, you know, in 98, I felt like, well, we, we had graduated some players that were absolute studs. We're talking Joe Klimke, Lloyd Orris, Ian Carlson, Scott Coe, um, like some really good uh, Ifioka Mabua, like some really, really, really good players. Um, I did feel that our 98 team was probably the closest uh, – like tight-knit group that I had played with in high school. And I felt that that was maybe um, the difference. I felt, um, uh, you know, the players that I played with there uh, that year, um, Kyle Relke, Ryan Gerard, and, you know, Anders Strom, Matt Robinson, uh, uh, Mark Handelman, uh, uh, just, yeah, Taylor McDonald, David Hampson. I, I go on and on about all, yes. all these guys that I, I played with that year, Aaron Taylor, Dave Hewson, like just – was such a tight-knit group um i still about uh like almost every guy there that i named in that uh, list of players um are still good friends today you know like lifelong friends but i i just i i remember us having a ton of fun that year and i remember it kind of feeling like when we got there that year like um you know in uh in grade 10 and grade 11 um we did contribute um in key ways uh to our football team and success of the team but in grade 12 it felt like hey this is like our team now like we're in grade 12 mm -hmm. you know whether we whether we finally put this all together or not you know is is rest on our shoulders and um i just uh yeah i just remember it being just such a great time you know it's probably of all the levels of football that i played um i think you know, I, 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 I remember at our banquet one year, we had a guest speaker and I'm, I, I can't remember who came to talk to us now. So I, I feel like I, I do apologize for that. But I, I do remember them telling us that to enjoy, you know, your time in high school, because it's going to be the best years of football that you ever play in your life as far as how you enjoy them. Sure. I remember at the time thinking, yeah, like I'm enjoying it. This is awesome. I love it. But also, man, I can't wait to play university. I can't wait to see if I can play pro. I can't wait to, you know, right. you know, that's how you're thinking when you're young. And when I think back on it now, like, man, was he ever right? Like, I just think there's something so pure about high school football. Like, it hasn't yet been, um, there's still no business aspect to it. Because even when right. you get into university, there's like politics oh, creep sure. in. And, you know, if this guy's been brought in as a big signing and he's getting scholarship money and, this guy's not, we got to give this guy the opportunity first. He's the guy that we recruited hard, you know, like even, you know, it even creeps in at the university level. A lot, a lot of university programs are run a lot more um, in a similar fashion to a pro program right. than to a high school program, right? The university is closer to on that side of the spectrum. So uh, it's just such a, like, it's just the most pure form of football. I think there is, is when you're playing high school, you're playing for your school, 
Um, you have that pride of playing for your school and representing um, all your all your friends that you go to school there with. And and uh, it just yeah, I just remember the season being an, an absolute awesome time and just you know enjoying every second of it and uh, and just feeling that with how tight knit of a group we were and how much we believed in each other and what we were willing you know to to do for each other. I just remember feeling just like you know this is the time like this is finally coming all together like we you know th this is our time if you guys were a total juggernaut and all those players that you've listed off are complete studs in high school football you know and talking about like the pureness of high school football i was really fortunate this past few weeks uh believe it or not oak park we were able to be out on the field in equipment for sort of a a modified covid spring camp and you know what it wasn't you know football like we know it but it was as close to it as I've been since 2019 and just being out there with the guys being on the field for me, I'm at Oak Park, I'm at my alma mater, you know, like all those memories come back and so grateful to be able to do that. And, and like you say, it's the purest form of football. So I'm in complete agreement of that. The other thing I remember about that season is we played each other actually, I think in the spring in thunder on the prairie. Uh, yeah. And I remember not only were you playing running back that was like, in stop, you were unstoppable. So you know, that was enough to deal with. But then uh, I remember I dropped back for a pass, tried to throw the ball in the flat, and number 22 is picking me off in the flat. And I'm like, what the heck? This guy's playing defense too? Like, give me a break. So uh, well, I got to give credit, credit then. Jonesy must have coached me up well. You, know, you had the that. flats, that's for sure. <laughs> And coach, kind of transitioning to you, you know, you, you've already talked about a lot of these players that you had. AJ's talked about these guys. You're still close to a number of them now. Uh, you know, talk about some of the players you had that year and how you designed your defense and your relationship with them now. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's weird. It's, it, that's 23 years ago. And, uh, yeah, I still stay in touch with a bunch of them. Uh, we were probably one of the first teams in high school during that era to run zone. Like we ran cover three, we ran weak cut, we ran double cut, things like that. I blitzed my, I blitzed Hampson quite a bit, so that's probably why sure you did. saw him in your face a lot. But <laughs> uh, and he could he could find the hole. And uh, we ran a fifty-two defense, but a lot of the guys, you know, Aaron Taylor, um, yeah, defensive backs. I stay in touch with him. Stayed in touch with him afterwards. Had him out as a guest coach, provincial team. I was a uh, provincial team coach seven years and uh, had him out and uh, Dave Hewson, you know, all these guys, they're like sons to me, you know, AJ and all that he played defensive back. And, um, you know, uh, they're like, they're like family to me and all that. And it was great seeing what these kids did on the field. Um, the Houston's out in BC. We talk, Oh, probably once every couple months, you know, and uh, great, Great young man. Aaron's got a couple kids doing a great uh, job as a father. AJ, you know, he, he's, he's a father, a couple kids. He's coaching his son, Boston, and, and all that. And actually, I, one of his, I guess, players that he coached, his his mother, I worked with at MPI, Corinne Legacy or whatever. So okay. um, worked I worked with her. You know, I'm retired now, but, uh, you know, I, I stay in touch with a bunch of guys. I, I've reconnected with Joe Klimke, um, Steve Payne, you know, some of these guys. And, and you know what? It, it was different. Uh, what Normando, what we had then, we were a fan, you know, and, and that's, I, I really believe. I mean, these guys gave me my first championship as a player and a coach. Because, I mean, I got to the game, but we never won it as a player. Right. And even, you know, so, I mean, this was this was something special to them. 
and seeing them, you know, and, and to stay in touch with them 23 late, uh, years later. Oh, mm-hmm. I mean, every, every time I, it, it makes me feel like I'm in my early 30s again. And I appreciate that every day. You know, like I'm on the field and all that. So it's great. Right. Yeah. And as much as you post about it on Facebook, it's on your Facebook memories <laughs> every four to six weeks. I got to relive this thing all the time. Like it never ends. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. getting getting into like the championship game here, I'm gonna just kind of talk about a few things that I remember. So number one, uh, Oak Park, we had a huge epic game in the semifinal to beat Churchill. We were down, I can't remember the score, but we had a big comeback to beat them. Um, then uh, you know, in terms of 29-24. Oh, there you go. You yeah. got the the vault memory over here. Guy. There you go. Uh, I remember, you know, the week leading up to the championship game that there was actually, we were just talking about it, a, a CKND sort of a uh, little special on, on myself and uh, your quarterback, Ryan Girardin, and uh, some other players got to speak. I remember it was super funny. I think at the end of the video, obviously we lost. I'm crying in the video. I think Twinks had a lisp for some reason in the video. Like, it was just <laughs> hilarious. But, uh, but yeah, there's, so there's that. I remember, obviously, we we lost you guys 29-7, to 7, but I had, at, le- at least in my memory, and, you know, going, this is like Al Bundy style, you know, like, I remember three beautiful balls that I threw that were potential touchdowns, and I don't know if that actually happened or not, but that's in, stuck in my memory, so I'm interested to coach, very well. coach Jones to tell me about that. Yeah. The, the last thing that I just remember about the second half of the game was AJ and Kyle Relke literally carrying our defense on their backs as they're running down the field. It was so demoralizing. So, well, you know. I'll, I'll, give, I'll give you some cheer thoughts or whatever the whole bit. A lot of guys didn't realize that this was the game of two undefeated teams. Right. You guys hadn't lost a game, and neither did we. Mm-hmm. We had tied uh, Churchill, Churchill our last game of the year, right. 10-10. And the only reason we tied is because, well, Andre Strom had a hockey tryout, and he was our kicker. So right. we had missed, I think it was like four field goals. So, you know, so, I mean, we, it was a 10-10 tie. Um, so, and a lot of people didn't realize that. We had a great defense. Uh, you guys had a great defense. Uh, you know, everybody talked about Brad Black and that. And I was not worried about a run run game whatsoever because nobody could run on so to be honest they mm-hmm. could at that point we had only allowed i think it was 16 points going into that game and, right. and and that year we played 11 games because we played a crossover we had to play somebody from the other other side so going into the game we ran a 52 so we ran a, a five-man front right. but we played our ends like the saskatoon hilltops so we were not going to let you get outside whatsoever. So we weren't worried about Brad Black because Brad Black would, watching film, he would cut in, and, but he'd always go outside. We knew that. I was actually more worried about your running back that you had from St. James that came on halfway through the year. Justin McGillis. And, Justin McGillis. Yeah. Yeah. And, then, yeah, and then also Alistair Fogg. Yeah. So we are kind of game planning for those guys because you guys ran a – you guys ran a bone offense, from what I remember. It was like a wishbone. But we ran power eye. All number two was power eye. Yeah. That's what we ran. We ran power and it was stuff like, like that. Army Navy games. So we, yeah. So we we played cover, cover three, and you know, you had some good. We knew you guys had guys, and sure enough, we're in our cover three. And and my philosophy was always keep the guy in front and attack. And uh, um, so uh, you threw three great balls. And, and, and if it wasn't for that receiver, I think he only had two or three fingers. They were in his hands. I mean, because the DB, I remember the first two is like over his head. I'm like, he's watching like a deer in the headlights. So 
finally we made an adjustment. I'll get into that later. But the the funny story on that game was we shut down the run, except Brad Black had one run where we had told our safety, which was Houston at the time, mm-hmm. play. And we always taught this in high school, and that is, you know, play the cutback. Well, David actually overran it, and it was a little wet at that time, and he'd slipped, and, and Brad had a, a the one big run. But other than that, he really didn't do anything. It was more the McGillis uh, and uh, and Fogg, but you guys didn't use it, and they, they you didn't throw the ball that much, which we were prepping for because we thought, okay, you guys got talent, spread it, throw it, it'd be great. But the funniest story on that game, and this is an egg segment story, <laughs> it's in the third quarter. And you guys were running. I think you guys had three first downs. And Normando's looked at me going, what the heck? They're running on our 52? I'm like, I look, and then, hey, we only got 11 guys on the field. Where's our nose tackle? And so we had this little nose tackle, Chipka. Chipka was his name. Yeah. And Ed goes, Chipka, Chipka. And he's right beside him. And Chipka might have been five foot four, five foot five. He's a small guy. He's a little butterball, right? right? And there's Ed. He grabs him by the neck back of the collar and hit by his pants and he throws him literally onto the field and his hands and legs are going and he landed like five yards out and he ran onto the field it was hilarious <laughs> it was the best Ed Segelin story you ever want to hear because you know what I mean as a defensive coordinator everybody was scared of Ed Ed was like hey we're gonna hit him we're gonna hit him and hit him a lot of people don't know this like today's game before our, before every game we would run meat grinder yeah. for every game. Right. Yeah. We would run meat. They don't do that anymore. No. These guys would kill each other before a game. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, so, you know, so that, that was kind of funny. But the thing is, yeah, you threw some great balls. So finally in the third, uh, fourth quarter, we changed. We put Aaron Taylor on that side where you threw to. Yeah. And you threw deep again. But Aaron was where he was supposed to be. That kept in front of the re- receiver, picked off the ball. Except there's Aaron running down the sideline, putting his finger up in the air Holding like up the number championship. one. I'm like, get the heck out of bounds, <laughs> like you know, because Aaron was not the greatest guy to get hit. Okay, right. so I think he ran out of bounds. I can't remember, but yeah. So it, it, you know, honestly, it was a great game. The big Ed, the big AJ uh, thing about that game was third quarter. It was second and five, second and six. The ball was at a, at R45. Well, we ran, I, I, it was to the weak side. You guys had two guys on AJ, but AJ was, it looked like he was almost touching the ground, but he was leaning, leaning, leaning. Yeah. I've never seen a running back do this. It was, it re- reminded me of like Larry Zonka. He was carrying these guys. <laughs> he was. And he's leaning forward, forward, and he got seven yards. It was a first down. And right after that, it was like him and Ralph, him and Ralph. And we just down the field and that was it. But those two, watching AJ play was something special. Having in my secondary was special. A lot of guys don't know this, but back in the day when I when when I was young coaching with these guys, I used to run fourth quarter with these guys, and I'd make these guys stay extra. The DBs and AJ was one of them, and we'd do sixty fives. We'd go there, back, and there, mm-hmm. and I'd run with them, and then I'd make these guys do a thing I used to call death drill. And AJ and these guys hated it. They thought it was nothing, but I made them cute. <laughs> couple times but you know it's a great drill and and you know these guys uh, you know i i thank them for everything they did for me uh you know uh, they're part of my family they always will be you coaching with you Mm -hmm. it was great um you know i learned a lot from you eric uh you know the whole bit we had a lot of fun 
uh, you know, football is a great thing. But yeah, that 98 season will always stick out to me as something real special. You know, and it should for you. Even though you lost, it was a, it was something that, that was football. Yeah, for, that, for me, it was sort was of, football. it was sort of my coming out party, to be honest. I think that, that game kind of put me on the map a little bit. Um, but yeah, how about, how about you, AJ? What do you remember about the championship game that year? Um, yeah, I, I remember, uh, well, obviously, you know, I, I remember winning, uh, finally being able to, to put it all together. But, uh, you know, I, I, I do remember being nervous, uh, before the game, mm-hmm. you know, um, well, obviously, it was I, different you know, then, right? About, it, it was different sorry? than it was different than like how the league was right. Like, cause now yeah. everything's tiered and there's multiple teams like yes. city suburban. We never saw each other. Right. So, no, right. right. So yeah. it was kind of yeah. cool. And, and you didn't like, I knew about you guys and I, you know, I knew what you guys were going to bring to the table, but I don't think many guys on my team even knew. Right. So, right. Yeah, no, we, we were, you know, obviously, um, yeah. On, in opposite divisions, they're both having great seasons. So, right. um, I knew some guys on your team personally, obviously, a bunch mm-hmm. of you guys. So, you know, I kind of hear a little bit through that way. But the rest was just, you know, kind of, you know, checking the scores each week and yep. seeing, oh, man, they just blew out this team. They just blew out this team. They're scoring over 30 points a game. Like, they're, you know, so you're, mm-hmm. you're just kind of getting what, what you get through through uh, the media and stuff. Of course, no social media at that time. Right. <laughs> so, coming. you know, I'm like reading the newspaper and watching the local sports team just to see what Oak Park is doing, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, but so I, I, I do remember being nervous uh, uh, before the game, even though, um, uh, you know, I always kind of actually felt that that was a good thing, uh, you know, if I was a little bit nervous before a game, cause then I just felt like, you know, it means that it matters to you, you know, it's important. You want to do well. Yeah. And, uh, and then, you know, you go out there and you get the first couple hits in and then it's like, everything just kind of disappears. And there you are, like you're almost exist in this vacuum now, right. Mm-hmm. Where it's just you and the other team and there's no one talking about the game anymore. No lead up, no meetings, no film, no anything. And it's just, it's just you and them on the field. It's just this like beautiful place to be, right? Uh, as you guys know, you've, you've been in it and players multiple times. It's just my favorite spot in the world to be, right? And it's uh, is is right in that moment. So, and uh, yeah, I, I I I do remember the throws and I do remember the drops. <laughs> yeah, you know, I was I was on the field at the time and I'm looking over to the far sideline, and uh, I think I remember after the I think it was after the second drop and I was like. And I remember thinking like, all right, here we go. You know, like, (laughs) like, let's go. Like, I feel like that, you know, that, that kind of like, like anything you can, you know, it's an, it's a culmination of all these, you know, plays, these, you know, uh, the game of inches, you know, as I like to say, but man, you, you, you know, you kind of look at some of those and you feel these momentum swings a little bit. Right. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, it, you know, any of those three connect and it's, you know, this giant momentum yeah. swing going the other way, right. but you know, the drop just does the opposite for us. All of a sudden, you know, they drop one ball, two balls, three balls. And all of a sudden your, you know, your confidence is just growing at each time. Right. Cause you're like, Hey, there was an opportunity for them to make a play and they didn't make it. Right. right. That's, that's the way the game goes. And then you get, you know, a little more confident. And, um, but yeah, I, I remember it being, um, uh, really fun game to be a part of and, and the plan. Um, I remember being, uh, you know, just, you know, watching, uh, you know, 
my my teammates experience too i you know i i played a lot with kyle relke um uh, a, a lot of different sports so and uh like through our through our high school career and um i honestly think he was the most underrated player i've ever played yeah. with in my life definitely um i felt like the job that he did as a we, we called him a west linebacker you know yeah. uh in our defense mm -hmm. uh he was a west and uh and then the job that he did uh running the ball um is just kind of one of those you know friendships and relationships you have we're still great friends to this day we live awesome. 30 seconds from each other nice. and uh i honestly always felt uh, we we played rugby together we won a rugby championship together and but i always felt specifically on the football field uh like if we were out there together i felt like you know we were capable of doing um some great things and i, I remember in that game uh i thought he had just an amazing game he did, he did. uh like just yeah. unbelievable like the key runs that he pulled off at certain amounts of time and the tackles that he made like mm -hmm. he was literally everywhere on the field on defense and yeah. uh his, his brother was a great i got a great respect for the relke family his the you you will not play with two tougher individuals than curtis who i got to play with he's older in, in university yeah. and then kyle i got to play with in high school uh they don't make them any tougher than those guys they're yeah, like a different true. breed of people and uh i got some stories about curtis that would just you know maybe for another podcast but um <laughs> and uh so I, I i do remember in that game um just being like you know kyle just having this game and me obviously being in the backfield with them both on offense and defense and just being like man this guy right now is playing on another level mm -hmm. and and we got this you know sure. um which is funny and it, it was just kind of somehow somehow went uh like you know uh underrated i feel like or you know he would definitely wasn't undervalued on our team like we knew how yeah. good he was right. but i you know i remember that year getting um a lot of like accolades and awards and stuff like that um brought to me and stuff for the season that we had mm -hmm. and kind of always thinking i'm like man uh this guy that i'm playing back here with like yeah. does no one see him beside me like this guy is absolutely amazing you know sure. and uh and I, I never felt like he uh you know he he got his kind of uh just due uh for for the work he did again he did within our own team and organization like mm -hmm. if, if, if if you go to kelvin the relke brothers are legendary you know absolutely. um and uh but yeah I, I do remember that specifically about that game in particular I do remember being on the field with him and being like, man, this guy is, this guy's going crazy today. It was, it was a lot of fun to play with a lot of fun to watch. Absolutely. In, in our, in our defense, if I can just interject in our defense, he was our West linebacker. And so we'd run a 52 with our ends outside wide, like that, say like the Hilltops uh, yeah. did. And so basically we would blitz Hampson because Hampson was the slower easily of the two. <laughs> he was, I mean, Hampson was a plugger. But it hit like a truck for a specific reason, and that was because Kyle he'd clean up anything. If something got through, he was yeah. killing it, yeah. and he did. Yeah. He, I think he finished the game, if I'm not mistaken. I don't remember, but I at one point I remember he was over ten tackles in that game alone. Sure. Like he was just all over the place. And I actually had a, uh, the opportunity to see him before COVID had uh, ha uh, started. I saw him at Altia because I, I was a oh, member yeah. there and I was oh, working yeah. out and all that he looks like a stud now like you could just put on the pads now and go and play like he's in amazing yeah. shape and right. uh, yeah. he was a and i knew this kid from grade 10 because i was his db coach and then he turned into a stud linebacker and a stud fullback and uh i mean yeah great young man 
great young man. A lot yeah. of respect for him. Obviously, I kind of got to know Relky through knowing you, AJ, and just kind of yeah. like back in the day, we used to go to the house parties and all that kind yeah. of stuff and then <laughs> run into each other. Actually, you remember that house party where the house got lit on fire? You remember oh, that yeah. one? <laughs> that was a good time. I uh, remember. I, but, I distinctly remember uh, getting out of there quick yeah. and uh, Brad Black chanting Brad Black for life as he left the party. <laughs> Oh, that sounds about right. <laughs> sounds about right. You know what? My coaching, and a lot of people don't know, the players do. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, as far as a coach, um, a lot of coaches didn't like me. The players, they they liked me and all that. But, uh, I, you know, I learned a lot actually from your dad and actually from Huck. Because if the other team were paying attention to me, and that's why I was kind of an instigator. I call myself <laughs> kind of like that. Kenny the Rat Linsman, as far as coaching, <laughs> if I could get in your face and, and Austin Bruins off, legend, yeah. you you weren't worried about the players, you were worried about me, right. and I owe that to your dad and Huck because they were the <laughs> best. They were the best of it. They would piss people, they piss refs off, oh, yeah. piss your opponent off, and mm. I, you know I just owe them a, a gratitude because really that's our job is to take as coaches to take uh, the opponent's mind off of our players and. And you know what? I owe them gratitude of that because that's that's kind of like what I was when I was young. Mm -hmm. You knew me as I as I got older, kind of yeah. mellowed. But yeah, back in the day, yeah, I I, I, I would I would sling stuff. So. Uh, yeah, I remember. I was young, but I remember, Coach. Um, yeah. You know, just going back to Kyle. Obviously, I was able to play with Kyle uh, at the Rifles for a little bit, and uh, yeah, you, know, you know, and just just what you guys yeah. were talking about about Kyle. I think. You know, AJ, you said before about like how things just were at that time, how you had to kind of either, you know, watch the news or, or read the newspaper to find out things. Like, even though we watch game film, I don't think like just based on that time, how things were like, we were very focused, obviously, on trying to stop you. And I think yeah. that you're right. I think he kind of just slid under the radar and, and totally sh like we should have been paying attention because he killed us. So, yeah. uh, you know, he, he was a tremendous yeah, he player. He, he, he could be like, and I've played with like an amazing list of people like over my football career and all different levels. Yeah. He could be the best like pure football player I ever played with. Like just in a football player, how you imagine one to be, yes. you know, like just, just selfless, tough, great teammate, like would sacrifice any part of his body, really smart, like hit like a ton of bricks, could play multiple positions, like just, mm -hmm. um, like you know just a pure pure football guy like he he might have been the best i ever played with okay guys switching gears here obviously we're getting kind of to the end here uh obviously we're in this transitional world of covid and dealing with that um, i'm interested you know what have you guys been up to and how you've been dealing with covid coach jones i'll start with you well actually i had retired in march 2020 when covid first started so my retirement has uh, been kind of covid you know, COVID vacation. And um, uh, I'd opened up my own business. I do appraisals and uh, and arbitrations. But what I do is I, most of them are, are via like Zoom or, and it's all contactless, but um, um, I, I do it for uh, usually Alberta, Saskatchewan. I do a lot. I've done a couple here, but mostly out, out of province and it's all email or Zoom and that. So I've been doing that. And me and my wife were actually supposed to take a trip uh, when, in May of last year, uh, to Europe, we were supposed to go on to take the the kids and that, and um, you know, COVID came, so we couldn't. So we decided we'd uh, 
look at buying a cottage. So I found a cottage just uh, northeast of Lactabonny and we bought that and still have the house, of course. But uh, so I've been working from here and uh, come out here to do work. And I've changed my diet. I've lost 52 pounds and working out and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, and and, and staying safe. I just, you know, I I think if everybody stays safe and, and we get over this, uh, you know, the, the kids, the ones that I feel sorry for right now are our kids, yes. the young athletes and all that, the whole bit, because they're losing out. Mm-hmm. And, and it's unfortunate because, you know, some people think they're not being selfish, but they actually are. Yeah. You know, we want, we want, we, I don't like to see anybody die. I don't like to see anybody get sick, but I'd like to get this over. So our kids, you know, whatever they're doing mm-hmm. can get back to some sort of normalcy for them. Because it's our youth, it's our future, right? Whether they play sports, whether they do whatever, it's about their safety. And that's what we should be thinking of. So, I mean, you know, it's sad. And you don't get to see, like, I became a grandfather in November. And, uh, uh, yeah, it's amazing. I'm a grandfather now. It's kind of scary. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) this one, one, you know, maybe I'll learn to do diapers or whatever. But, uh, um, you know... uh, you know, I, I've got to hold them, which is which is probably one of the greatest moments of my life. And and you know what? Um, just if this ends and we and we all work together as mankind, uh, forget about how it happened, why it happened, whatever. Let's just get everybody safe so we can get back to normalcy and 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 have a future for our kids and their kids. You know, and and and, and hopefully we all can learn from something like this. You know, to be better people. I completely agree. It's the kids that are really suffering right now. Us as adults, you know, can probably deal with the most part of it, but uh, it's really hard on the kids. So I'm with you on that. How about you, AJ? What have you been up to and how you've been adjusting to COVID life? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've been uh, still just at work. Um, obviously, um, uh, one part of my job has, has not uh, has not been very active, and that's the, the gym, uh, just because uh, we've you know, gyms have been closed for a large percentage of time through this. And even when they were allowed to open, our gym in particular wasn't allowed to open because uh, we had our hockey teams utilizing it for their seasons. Right. And they're kind of in, in their uh, bubble, you know, um, so they can follow the protocol set out by our government and the NHL and AHL that allow them to, to play. So um, we weren't allowed to have any crossover with the you know, with the public using the same gym facility as, as the players. Um, so I was just redistributed then to work full-time uh, with the Moose this year, uh, which has been great. It's been been awesome. It's a, it's a great staff to work with, um, really, really awesome guys, and, uh, and it's great players to work with. They have an amazing group there this year. Uh, you'll see it later. They're on a, a 12-game uh, uh, streak here of a uh, point streak where 10 wins and two shootout losses. So it's, nice. it's really tight knit, knit group of guys. Awesome group to be a part of. Um, but, uh, so yeah, so that's, you know, uh, professionally that's, that's where it's been at. Um, um, we've tried to, uh, I tried my best. Um, we, uh, through our social media accounts, uh, through our gym, we, we posted about, I think, almost about 250 workouts now for free for people to utilize from home wow, uh, just because cool. we felt, you know, we have a social, uh, certain social responsibility to help each other out and help take care of each other. And I knew if people weren't going to be able to be at gyms, they're going to be at stuck at home and they might need a little bit of guidance or direction. So hope, hopefully some people found those helpful and were able to share them with people. And um, yep. 
also, uh, yeah. And then just with, with kids, like, you know, just to, to, to mirror what you guys were saying there, um, I, you know, I, I got, uh, two kids and obviously all their activity has been canceled, you know, and stuff. So, so that's unfortunate. I, I, I feel the, the most for them. Um, but, uh, you know, you know, we spent a large portion of this, uh, uh, discussion today talking about our time in high school you know I can't imagine if I would have missed grade 11 and 12 oh, no. and not got to play football like the such influential years of my life as any listener could probably tell just from the stories that we've shared today yes. um, I can't I can't imagine what that's you know like for those kids so I I really feel for them and uh and I'm, I'm, I'm hoping this thing gets um, we get over the hump on this thing as, uh, you know, as, uh, as, as fast as we can and, you know, in a safe matter and, and get some of that stuff going again. Cause that, uh, you know, my life is completely different without, without those key years and me being able to, uh, take part in those things, you know? So, so, um, but yeah, just, you know, ha- hanging out with the family, a lot of time with the family and, uh, um, which is, which is always nice, you know, I always love and, uh, and uh yeah uh, you know that's about it i'm I, you know I'm, I'm getting older too now and, and you know i got kids at home so I'm, i don't i don't want to say my social life is anything uh uh crazy to begin with you know so <laughs> i can't say that it's this has meant me uh more nights at home and not going out to the bars and stuff like that it didn't even actually change or going to right. eat or anything like <laughs> that whole aspect of my life stayed pretty much exactly the same you know because uh I'm, is you know I'm, I'm you know you don't have time for that stuff. You're usually driving kids around to yeah. <clears throat> this or that or you know and you know so um, you know I mean that's just changed to uh, spending time with them uh, at home. You know, right. which is excellent, um, guys. How about uh, you know again? I like to ask everybody at the end here: Who is your favorite football player of all time, Coach Jones? I'll start with you. Well, there's two of them. Okay, uh, a lot of well. People know the one, but a lot of people won't remember, know this guy. He's one of the best defensive backs, in my opinion, that ever played. It's Kansas City Chief, Deron Cherry, number 40. I don't know if a lot of guys know about yeah, him, know but him. Uh, he was quite the player. He actually led the NFL a couple of years in interceptions. He did, yeah. And the all-time guy would be uh, Ronnie Lott. Ronnie Lott. Ronnie Ooh. Lott was a guy who left it on the field. If he was going to hit you, he was going to make sure you weren't getting up. And I still remember the game where he did something to his finger. Right. They ended up cutting it off or cutting a portion of it off and he yeah. came back on the, <laughs> on the game. That's a football player. That's a man. Can you imagine yeah. that happening today? Oh, God. <laughs> that would never happen. Three weeks. You know, <laughs> it'd be out for two, three weeks. No doubt. You know, so, yeah, those were, those were the two guys. Uh, back when I was young, uh, mm-hmm. Deron Cherry and Ronnie Lott. Oh, those are great picks. And, you know, speaking of Ronnie Lott, like when we were talking about old school football, like leading with your head, like that that was that era, right? Like that's the football that we yeah. know and love. And how about, how about you, AJ? Who did you idolize growing up? Uh, you know, I, I, I had a few, obviously all running backs because yep. uh, this position that I played. Um, <clears throat> I wore number 22 because of Emmett Smith. Uh, so that's how I got on it to, to wearing, uh, number 22. And when I first started playing football, uh, with you yeah. back in the Seahawks days, yeah. I actually wore number 33 cause of Roger Craig, Oh, um, that's yeah, why running back from the, so yeah. So I went from, uh, 33 to, uh, to 22 and, um, and then, you know, but the, the, there's a, a whole kind of list of running backs. And, you know, as I, you know, started playing the position and I remember getting this book as a kid 
and it was called football's fearless foot soldiers. And they had a write up on all these guys. And I read about Jim Brown and read about uh, Gail Sayers mm -hmm. and uh, of course, Walter Payton. Um, I could still, sometimes I'll just go through a rabbit hole on YouTube and watch Walter Payton uh, highlight videos and literally get goosebumps watching them, you know, like yeah. just to see that type of power um, Earl Campbell, you know, I, 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 I will say I, I, did uh, idolize like the more physical runners more so than maybe the kind of like really flashy, uh, you know, like obviously Barry Sanders, one of the greatest of all time, but I felt like, you know, like a Walter Payton or, you know, kind of style or Earl Campbell kind of resonated with me more right. like, you know, my, my whole thought. So I idolize those guys just with the thought of if I'm going to be running the ball. Like I want to, from an offensive perspective, I want to inflict as much punishment on the guys coming to try to tackle me as possible. Mm -hmm. So the next time they come to tackle me, you know, they're going to be a little bit hesitant. And then maybe I break that tackle, you know, or maybe right. that gives me that extra inch to create that separation to get in the open field. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I remember this is not, you know, to say anything to young kids or give them ideas nowadays or whatever, but I remember running behind my helmet. You know, mm -hmm. I remember even when we were young and playing, like my, my helmet was, uh, that was one of my weapons, yeah. right? Like right before contact, I was dropping my head. Mm -hmm. And if I could put it under your chin, if I could put it in your chest, if I could put it wherever. Yeah. And then I felt like that was me like doing damage to you. So, you know, giving me that competitive edge, the next time you come, you're like, man, this guy's coming fast and he's dropping his head at me right at the last second. Like, mm -hmm. you know, he's spearing me and doing some damage. And, uh, Again, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I understand the game has changed. The rules yes. has changed. The information that we have has changed. But, you know, if you talk to anyone from our era or before our era, yeah. um, they usually yeah. have a different view on that, right? Like, and, and how we feel about it. You know, I, I feel it was, it was, it was part of the game and hindsight. You know, now we've learned that there's maybe some risks involved with it, but for sure. But, you know, I'd, I I can't imagine myself as a player playing the game any other way, right? Like, I ran behind my shoulder pads and my helmet, and those, yes. were, those were weapons for me to, to, you know, be a physical runner. But Yeah, and, and you know what? Like, speaking of which, obviously, us playing together as a young kid and then playing against each other as young kids, you were, uh, you know, my recollection was speed. You were outrunning everybody. You were just the fast, you know, not that you were just the fast guy. You were a good yeah. running back, but you were fast, and you were outrunning lots of people, breaking big runs. And not that you didn't do that in high school, but you you did make a transition to being a way more physical runner and adjusted. Yeah. And then, and then you know, when you went to the U of M and we played together there and I was able to watch you there, you developed even to a, even to a, a real good pass catcher. And you really kind of over the years grew and developed. First day was of Seahawks was getting the practice and Dan Huckluck lining us all up on the goal line. And he went and stood at the 40. Uh -huh. He's like, hey, when I blow my whistle, everyone run to me as fast as you can. Right. So he blew his whistle and I remember running there and I was the first guy there. And then he's like, turn around and do it again. Now we're going to the goal line. So he did it again, uh -huh. you know, and, uh, and then he walked up to me. He's like, okay. He's like, uh, you're running back. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, All right. I guess that's at the time I didn't know anything about it. Right. I wanted right. to be Jerry Rice. You know, yeah. I wanted to be catching uh, uh, touchdown passes. I thought, and then I realized at that age, uh, especially, you know, when we play football's transition a lot now, we yes. throw the ball so much here. It's great. Mm -hmm. But at our age, it was like, we're going to run the ball 80 times a game and throw once, you know? Yes. So uh, when we were really young, so 
uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really fortunate. I won that first race there, uh, yeah. and Dan put me in that spot. But well, uh, a- after that, every every level you go up, you just you realize you gotta you can't be one dimensional, right? Mm-hmm. So well, we got to play you guys, and this is when I was coaching Total Lasers. When oh I was yeah, Minor Bantam. Yeah, and I tell you, we played you guys. You guys, you guys were the St. James Seahawks. You wore white. Yeah, and. You know, we were wearing our blacks and all that, black and gold, Dakota lasers and that. I had Ithi Okamabwa and Brock yeah. Campbell on my team. Yeah, yeah, I remember, yeah. Brock Campbell. So we're playing you guys. And I'm the drummer on the defense. But I, I told I, I told Ithi, I said, because Ithi played both. Like, he, well, we kind of filtered it in. You kind of weren't, but we kind of played right. the rules. I learned that. You wore the one, the one sock, <laughs> yeah. right? Which allowed you to play both ways sometimes, so, so right? So I kind of learned that from Dan Huck, like how to play the rule with the rule. <laughs> so I remember I told AJ, I told uh, Ithi, I said, cut back. They over-pursued, cut back. So he finally listened. He cut back. I'm doing defense. He listened. He, he got like a 40-yard run. And Dan Huckluck takes a timeout, and your dad, like Aaron's dad and all that, everybody calls him, and they're ripping you guys apart. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> they're, they're ripping them apart because we got a 40-yard run. I think we <laughs> lost the game. I think it was like 28-7. I was like, oh, my God. Like, you guys were dead afterwards. He was going to kill you guys. But you know what? <laughs> I had a ton of respect for those guys because you guys played your hearts out. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, those were fun days back then. It was. You it- guys were dominant, quite dominant. You know, and speaking of fun days, guys, this this podcast has been awesome to reconnect with you guys. Uh, obviously, we you know there's so many connections between you know me and AJ playing together way back when we were kids. To coach, I've coached with you. Uh, you know, we've mentioned our you know AJ's dad, my dad. You know, your son Brody. I was able to coach, coach. So um, you know the connections are endless. Uh, but tremendous to have you guys on and talk about our stories and, and just have fun coaching football. I hope you guys enjoyed yourself tonight. Yeah, oh, it's been great. I, I hope you guys, you know, I, I hope the players, if I can say anything to the football players, I'd say, you know what, if they get an opportunity, thank your coaches, thank your trainers, because you know what, your coaches don't get paid. You know, they put a, they take a lot of time away from their families, you know, their kids and all that. It's special for us as far as coaches, because you guys are like a second family to me, and you make me feel young when I'm on the field. And, and that's something I could, if I could give something back to you guys, it would. But, uh, you know, um, I hope these players realize the amount of effort, Aaron, you do, AJ, you do. And I hope they take time and thank you guys uh, because what you're doing is, is, is you're giving back, and I really appreciate that. Thank you, Coach. I appreciate that. Yeah, thanks for, uh, thanks for having us, Aaron. This has been awesome, man. And uh, I think uh, just the fact that the three of us can get together after a long period of time and just – I, I don't I don't know if we're setting records here for your longest podcast ever, but I feel like I we so. can easily go another like two hours, no Absolutely. problem. And I think it just kind of speaks to the type of relationships that you form in football over the years, right? And how it is like just this giant family. And uh, I just really appreciate you asking me to come on. I was really excited to come on and talk to you guys. I got a bunch of respect for both you guys, and it's it's just been uh, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely, guys. You know, I. I alluded to it before but I took a couple weeks off for the podcast uh to coach some spring ball and I was getting messages from people left right and center like hey what's going on like how come there's you didn't have one this week are you still doing it and it's kind of funny because I've been doing it for like 20 weeks straight and it's been growing every week and that's the support has been tremendous in the community and being able to connect with you guys and other people has been awesome um 
but you know, at, at, on my heart, I'm a football coach. So, you know, when, when football's on, I need to go coach. I, I can't be running a podcast. So the people listening, yeah. uh, just so you're aware when football's on, I'm going to be coaching. <laughs> I appreciate the support. Uh, I, I also appreciate my dad always makes, uh, makes a comment that I forget to thank people. So thank you, dad, for listening. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, again, guys, it's been awesome. Good time. Good laughs. Yeah. I hope you guys have a great night. Take care of yourself. Stay safe, guys. All right.